0: so today um, I am talking about self-esteem so um, Selwyn Hughes was the founder of CWR an organization in the UK he's gone to be with the Lord now but that was where we did most of our counselor training and he tells a story of a man who came to see him who had marital problems and Selwyn asked him what was the most painful thing that has happened to you And he told the story. He said, when I was a boy of about eight years old, it was just before Christmas, and I saw a parcel beneath the tree, and it had my name on it. And I was so excited to open this present. And so on Christmas Day, he ran down the stairs, being in the UK, would have been probably two up and two down, and uh, he ran downstairs with excitement and anticipation. And when the family had gathered, he ripped off the, the, the wrapping of this parcel, and It was a brick so he he was confused and he looked at his father and said what's this and his father said well the way that you've been behaving it's all you're worth and so some 30 years later this man was suffering the effects of those words they had lived with him they affected his relationships in general and he was there trying to deal with his marriage knowing that those words he had believed those words that that's what he was worth We have a friend who is always apologizing for herself. She's very defensive and uh, Not doesn't build relationships easy and all of that is to do with how she sees herself And the way we see ourselves deeply affects the way we relate to other people if we see ourselves as inferior as lacking value we assume other people see us the same way and we behave accordingly maybe we withdraw or maybe put on a front put on a show whatever on the other hand a person with a healthy self-esteem is a person who's happy with who they are and they can be themselves without any pretense they don't have to put on any face and they have a confidence that enables them to give the best of themselves in an unreserved way. I love the game of cricket. I saw just before we came here, Zimbabwe sadly lost their game against Bangladesh. And um, I said, but the Jesus is still on his throne. <laughs> but uh, within cricket, I know that confidence has such a big part to play in the success of a batsman, for example. Uh, Someone who is confident, he can relax, he can move confidently, and it just makes it easy. And if you don't have that confidence, I'm sure you'll know this, it means you're awkward and stiff and jerky, and you just don't play well. And in a way, that's a picture of life, isn't it? It's the same. And so I'm talking about this topic of self image because it has such an impact on our lives. We're talking about building self image, and here's one way to improve your value in the eyes of people. Thank you. Yeah, there we are. You could try that way. But I want to show you a list of possible behaviors that people use to cover the pain of poor self-esteem and these in in behaviors include shyness withdrawal self-denigration and then sometimes we go to the other extreme where we kind of put on a front we we become boasting or we brag we draw attention to our status our titles our qualifications somehow want people to know about those things because we believe that they give us value or we can become dogmatic and critical and judgmental and rigid in our thinking. Uh, workaholism is something that I have to battle with. Uh, a touchiness, of being very defensive. All of these are symptoms of a poor self-esteem. And poor self-esteem can result in a, a loneliness, um, struggling to find intimacy because we isolate ourselves. We're too afraid to get close to people. So those are all effects of a poor self-esteem but they're long-term effects as well depression being one of them Uh, stress it's very stressful always wondering whether you're going to be enough whether you're going to be accepted and then one of the main ones i think is a sense of guilt a guilt that can be pervasive a feeling that we constantly don't measure up we're inadequate that somehow we're a failure not that we fail that we are a failure. It's a sense of shame in who we are. And our poor self-esteem causes us to engage in all kinds of behavior that sets about trying to disprove what we believe about ourselves. So we engage in behavior that will try and get the affirmation, get the approval of people round about us. But of course those people are not in our control, and so inevitably we fail. And it kind of proves what we believe about ourselves. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. So I hope you can see the importance of this topic. Such a profound impact it has on our lives. And I think it affects us all. It was James Dobson who said, he's the founder of Focus on the Family. He says, the majority of people experience a low self-esteem to one degree or another. And I think that that's true. Uh, sometimes just as, a, as a, an aside, sometimes people worry that if we're talking about self-esteem, we're encouraging people to be prideful, that we're promoting self or the flesh. And of course, Jesus says, tells us explicitly to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. But I'm not, not talking about the will here. Jesus says to die to our selfishness, That attitude that is concerned about ourselves and getting our own way I'm talking about our worth our value it's who we are and actually when I know my value before God this is the irony when I know my value before God it enables me to be humble that's it was Jesus gave us an example of that when he washed his disciples feet scripture says this Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to him and then the scripture says that he took off his robe put a, a towel around his feet and he washed his disciples feet and the point I'm making is this is because Jesus knew who he was he didn't have to prove anything he knew his value In the father's eyes and that is what enabled him to humble himself and so i'm going to look first at how a self-image is formed and then how it's reinforced and there's a saying that goes this like this it's not who i think i am it's not who you think i am it's who i think you think i am so if you think about that (laughs) it's not who i think i am it's not who you think i am it's who i think you think I am and you see uh, when we grow up as children one of the questions there are a few questions we, we we ask ourselves and one of the questions that we ask ourselves is, who am I who am I and we get the answer to that question from the significant people round about us those significant people might be our parents of course grandparents aunties uncles uh, teachers have a big impact um, brothers, sisters, our siblings, our spouse, significant people round about us are giving us messages and we take those things on board. And some of those messages are not true. Uh, John Stewart, he's a psychologist, says this significant adults, such as parents, teachers, siblings, become the mirrors. In which young children see themselves the problem though is that many mirrors are cracked or distorted and so the message we receive as children is often distorted and untrue so these messages are untrue these messages that significant people around about us give us are untrue because they use the value system of the world to attribute value when you think about it, when you think about what, what criteria that the world uses to give value, it is these. Often it's looks, what do you look like? Well, of course, that's a subjective thing. But nevertheless, that's what we, we, we use, those kind of values. And of course, money and possessions, color, sadly, and even shades of color. Uh, intelligence and education, status and position, sporting ability, social skills, age, all of those are the kind of criteria that the world at large uses to attribute value. And so if you're considered good-looking, whatever that is, and intelligent, and have some letters behind your name, and you drive a smart car, and you live in a big house in the right part of town, and are a good sportsman or a, woman, a sportswoman, And have lots of money then you're considered someone of note deserving respect isn't that so but if you consider yourself as ordinary looking haven't been to university you drive a second-hand nissan uh, you you rent a house in a down market area of town have a relatively low paid job Can't really hit a ball, you can't run fast, then you don't rate highly on this scale that the world uses. I remember my brother who lives in the UK, uh, before he married, he had this very smart 280 ZX. It was a smart sports car. And uh, living in the UK where the traffic is quite heavy, uh, when he came to a T junction, he said people would let him in quite easily. They would they would make room for him. And then he married his wife, Sue, who had a little Mini. He said driving in that car was completely different. He said that they would never let him in. And you see, what they were saying is if you're driving a 280ZX, you must be someone of value. But if you're driving a Mini, well, you're nobody. That's the value system of the world. And we adopt the same value system and we compare ourselves negatively so even if we have money we compare ourselves to those that have more and even if we have some intelligence and some education we compare ourselves to to those who have more i remember overhearing a conversation by two women who i considered good looking and they were both (laughs) <laughs> talking about their features that they didn't like about themselves and how that, and they were comparing themselves to others who didn't have those features. And so it is that significant people around us are constantly sending these messages using this criteria, which is false and distorted. But it's not just the verbal messages that those significant people give us, it's the nonverbal messages they give us. In other words, it's how they treat us and how they treat others, and how they behave towards us. So an absent father sends the message, you're not really important enough to hang around for. The teacher who gives uh, all the, the, the positive attention to a clever child and ignores those that don't do so well is sending a message. You're important if you're clever. it's not that we're all the same I'm not saying that it's not that we're we're all created the same we obviously we differ in ability and in personality the problem comes when we attribute value to those things when we say you are more important you have more value if you have intelligence and much less if you don't that's the problem and of course, our, our parents can inadvertently, inadvertently send us the wrong message. I, I remember a, a friend of ours telling us a story. She, she had a sister, and her mum used to introduce her to friends. She would say to the older sister, uh, this is my friend. Let's call her Joan. This is Joan. She's my clever one. So what did Chrissy say? I'm the stupid one. And then she would introduce um, the younger one, let's call her Ivy, and um, she would say, um, this is my pretty one. So what did the older one say? Well, I'm the ugly one. These are the kind of messages that we take on board all the time. And of course, social media has a huge part to play these days. People only post those pictures which portray themselves as looking good. Isn't that so? And the message is that it's important to be good looking. And as we surf the net, uh, it becomes apparent that we don't quite measure up to those kind of looks. And therefore we see ourselves as inadequate. I, I'm not the right shape, I don't have those kind of looks. And we are constantly receiving these messages, verbal and nonverbal, and we take them on board and we internalize them, and they become part of our attitudes and our belief system. And there's a chart that I think helps to describe what happens. We have these parent messages. They become our attitudes and our values. They, that, those values become an internal dialogue. There's a language going on inside our brain, a narrative that we are, is always going on, which really encapsulates all these attitudes and values. And that those things together form my self-image. And so the example given there in the notes, if, if for example, there's heavy pressures, what parents can do, for example, put heavy pressure on our on, on children to perform academically. And the, the value that is coming across is that you, you're important. You have value if you achieve academically. And as I said, you're always never going to get right at the top. And so, if your results are average, therefore I'm average. I'm not as important as those people who do achieve. And therefore, I'm incapable and inferior. And it's the total of these attitudes and beliefs and convictions about ourselves that becomes our self concept. And there are things that have happened to us in our family of origin. Uh, which send negative messages. And I wonder whether you have received uh, by, ver- by way of some of these ways which you might have lived through some of those parent messages. And by parent messages, we mean not just parents, but teachers and spouse and siblings and so on. But constant criticism, a shaming, a rejection. You don't measure up. It's going to send the message you're not valuable or unrealistic standards which you can never measure up to send the message you're not good enough expecting a child to fail and often saying so I've, I've had that with our kids where teachers have just expected the child to fail sends a message you're not good enough a lack of praise of encouragement or compliment I wonder if these things happen to you or a repeated harsh treatment must be something wrong with me if I'm treated like that. Or implying that the child is a nuisance, and or stupid, or incompetent. Just the implication. Or the absence of physical touch, or cuddling and hugging, and that affectionate, that again sends the message you, you, you're not worth it. Or maybe an overprotection or domination from parents. Or the how the body is viewed we're all created different uh, my mother had a thing about being overweight and she'd send that message all the time about how you looked so it's not only those messages that we receive daily and all the time but also it's the events that happen to us those traumatic events or or, or difficult events that have happened to us that might affect how we see ourselves so, for example, if, if someone has been through, through a divorce or, or someone who, who, let's say a man, whose wife leaves him for another, for another man, and the message is, I'm not good enough, I don't measure up, there's something wrong with me that my wife should go for another man. Or a girl who is abused as a child will often grow up believing that they are trash, they are treated badly, they're treated in an evil way, and they see themselves somehow as bad and wrong. And used goods. It's well known that children of, of divorced parents often blame themselves. They kind of say, Well, I wasn't good enough for dad to hang around. So they say of children, they're good observers, but poor interpreters of events. And so as these events happen, we take messages on board. They can often be distorted and false messages. And it's the combination of all these factors, all the parent messages and the things that have happened to us, that we build a self-image. And the negative thinking is reinforced in life. And so there's this chart It says you think poorly of yourself and you concentrate on your weaknesses and ignore your strengths, we all do that, don't we? And you send out the message to others that you're inferior. Others believe you and they treat you accordingly. And they therefore confirm the thing that you believe about yourself. So if a child says, well, I'm no good at sport," uh, when sporty games are played, they tend to hang back. Well, I'm not going to play. I won't, you know, I won't kind of push my, myself forward or they don't play at all. The friends begin to ignore the person and exclude them from games and they treat them as if he is useless. And that reinforces the belief about himself. So all of that is the problem we're talking about how that self-esteem is developed and how it's reinforced. But how do we develop a healthy self-esteem? And that's really where we want to get to. And this series of sermons I've been highlighting the fact that we all have legitimate needs. We were created to be loved and to belong and to be accepted. We we have needs to be valued. We have needs to know that our lives have significance and have impact but the real core of our problems come when we seek to meet those needs our way apart from God and in this context when we're looking at value and worth it's when we look to people for that value or we rely on money or possessions to gain value in the eyes of other people when we try and impress those people around about us so that we can get their affirmation. And of course those strategies don't work, and they prevent us having a real dependent relationship on God. And so the first step, folks, all along for all of these things we've been talking about, the first step... Is to do what Jesus said when he talked about the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe the good news and the first step is to repent of trying to gain approval in the eyes of other people to acknowledge where we have sought to meet our own needs to give ourselves value by trying to impress people where we look to the world or the people of the world for that value rather than God our Father and we need to repent of that sinful strategy. We need to abandon those things. Uh, Larry Crabb talks about a, a useful illustration. He says it's, it's like standing on the edge of a cliff, and but you're holding a rope which is being held by God. Uh, he says what you need to do is you need to step off the cliff, because only then will you be holding onto the rope proper, and only then will you know the strength of the rope and so what he's saying is we need to step away from those strategies we need to step away from those uh, attempts that we have to get value from other people to try and impress them and when we step away from that then we begin to know how God sees us we begin to see our value in his eyes then we'll receive it so the first step is to repent and then to trust God to trust him for our sense of value, to look at what he says about us. That's when we've abandoned those strategies that we then can go to God and say, Lord, show me my value in your eyes, even when people despise me, and even when people don't respect me. Really, that's the test, isn't it? Even when we don't look like someone of value, when we're that person who doesn't have a highly paid job, live in the right right part of town, has those looks, etc., etc., but they know their value, which doesn't depend on any of those things. It's not that there's anything wrong with vehicles and homes and education and position in themselves. It's when we rely on those things to give us those needs or to have value in the eyes of people. So that's the first step of stepping away from those strategies and trusting god lord help me to know how valuable i am in you irrespective of whether i pass my degree or what i look like or or where i live or what material possessions i have i need to know my intrinsic value that comes from you and we do have intrinsic value and then we need to look at our thinking having uh, obtained our value from God, that intrinsic value, the next step is to look at our thinking, which so often is distorted. I said earlier that we have this language going on our head, in our head, a narrative that is so often negative in terms of how we see ourselves. And Josh McDowell says this, he says, a healthy self-esteem is to see ourselves as God sees us, no more and no less. And that's the challenge. Help us to 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 know what you say about us Lord and you see we have a choice about what we think and we need to decide to believe what God says about us not what other people say about us not what the community says about us we have distorted and destructive messages which we need to challenge and to change them our, na- our minds need to be renewed And with God's help, we can rewrite that script that's playing in our minds. So what does God say about our worth? Certainly my worth, thankfully, in his eyes, doesn't depend on my bank account. It doesn't depend on the car I drive or whether I drive a car. It doesn't depend on where I live. It doesn't depend on the job that I have. It doesn't depend on my position at work. My status, none of that. It's irrelevant as far as God is concerned. Thankfully, I can let all those things go. Rather, the, the person of eternal value and significance is somebody who knows their value in God's eyes. You see, value is imputed by God. It is given by God. And this is what gives us intrinsic value, which is unconditional. doesn't depend on any of those things. So... Just to kind of give some sort of understanding of what that intrinsic value is, the Kruger Rand will maintain its value whatever you do with it. You can melt it, you can break it into pieces, you can crush it into powder. Actually, it maintains its value. And that is the same with us. We have intrinsic worth that is given to us by God, it is unconditional. And that's what we need to know about ourselves. So let's look at some of the scriptures and these will be familiar scriptures but i pray that god will speak to you and i want to encourage you to take these scriptures home with you and to meditate on them and personalize them and make them true for you this is what god says about you god said let us make mankind let us make you if you like in our image in our likeness isn't that amazing that god has made you and me to reflect the glory and the magnificence of, of who he is that's how he's made us we reflect his glory and that separates us and elevates us from the rest of creation and then that well-known psalm, for you created my inmost being and it's good for you to take that on board yourself this is God talking about you for you father created me you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Each of us is uniquely and wonderfully created to be like no one else in the whole world. And if you can appropriate that and take that on board, you see something of your value in God's eyes. You're not a mistake. He made you specifically, exactly as he wanted you to be. And then David says in Psalm 8, he says, you made him That's mankind a little lower than the heavenly beings and you crowned him with glory and honor That's what God says about you And then a verse that I love in Isaiah since you are precious. This is God speaking God speaking about his redeemed people his chosen people since you are precious We are precious to him we have value to him Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. That's what God says about you. And we need to take that on board. Forget about what everyone else says. Say, what do you say about me, Lord? Let me choose to believe that. And then, of course, most significantly, I am valuable because Jesus came to the earth to die for me. I am so valuable to God that he would prepare to take the most valuable thing that he possessed and sacrifice it. Because he wanted to purchase me. That scripture says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. If we can get a grip of what that scripture is saying about our value. Those of you who have children, would you use your child to purchase anything in the world? No, of course you didn't. And yet god our father took the thing that was most valuable to him and he sacrificed his own son because he wanted you that's the value that you have to him and when we exceed the extent of his commitment to us how can we doubt that we have value in his eyes And so it's so important that we identify the lies that we've come to believe about ourselves. We begin to recognize when we're saying those things to ourselves and then forcefully reject those lies. Satan is called the father of lies. He's the deceiver of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren. And the scripture tells us we must resist him. And so, again, we've talked about the scripture before in 2 Corinthians 10. Paul says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we need to do that, folks. It's, 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 something, it's an encouragement to us, that scripture, but it's also instruction. Let's take every thought, every distorted wrong thought about ourselves, where we've used the criteria of the world to, uh, to, to cause us to see ourselves in a negative way. Let's take that thought, reject it, and receive from God what he says about us. In addition to our intrinsic worth, God has given us talents so that we can serve him god has given us gifts for a particular work we have different gifts according to the grace given us and again acknowledging those gifts doesn't mean that we are proud look at the gifts that i've got because they're gifts exactly that they're given we didn't earn them we don't deserve them but it is part of who we are it's how god has made us we're given certain gifts and certain talents to do a certain job of course, we're also not given certain gifts and certain talents. And we can get into the trap of comparing ourselves and say, oh, I look at so and so. They're so gifted, whatever. They can do this and this and that. Well, you know, it's not about them. It's about the gifts that God has given you. And He gives you those gifts to do a specific work. He didn't give us certain gifts because He didn't want us to do certain things. And it doesn't make us better or worse, it just makes us different. And God will, will guarantee our success as we abide in Him. Isn't that amazing? That we can use those gifts and we can be fruitful in the Lord just as long as we are abiding in Him. We're just like that branch that is grafted in. And because we are attached to Him, we live in relationship with Him, He will bear fruit through us. He will empower us by His Holy Spirit. All we've got to do is just say, Lord, I want to obey You. And as we obey Him, He will bear fruit through us. We don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else just do what god has called you to do that's success and you see it's these scriptures i think that can give us a sense of competence i am capable god has gifted me for a particular work i don't have to do what everyone else is doing i just have to do what god has called me to do i can achieve that i can fulfill his purpose as long as i'm grafted into him And i'm filled with his spirit i can and i will fulfill his purpose but run your own race don't compete with anybody else and all of this affects our view of ourselves and so repenting of of uh, those strategies that try and get our needs met ourselves but also changing our thinking is work done it's not a one-off process it's, it's working at it, it's not an overnight thing so our wrong beliefs and our thinking are habitual and we need to keep recognizing rejecting and replacing those false thoughts until we think differently and believe differently about ourselves so that core belief really is what God says about ourselves and so when I find myself overreacting to some sort of incident which seems to denigrate me I have to work on myself to see myself as God sees me and when I find myself for example avoiding confrontation because I'm afraid of what people think of me then I have to work on myself and say Lord help me help me to think about what you think of me not to worry about what others think and you see when we begin to take these concepts on board and make them a part of who we are we are freed from the self-preoccupation of ourselves and we begin to forget about ourselves that's the irony we begin to forget about ourselves we become confident in who we are and it enables us to reach out with confidence knowing the gifts we have we can use those gifts to serve others as we accept our god-given value we live accordingly with a confidence and an assurance And of course, that will affect how other people see us. So instead of that negative cycle we talked about, there's this positive cycle. I think positively of myself, aware of how God sees me, affirming my strengths and acknowledging my weaknesses. I send out the message to others that I'm okay. That confidence comes across. Others believe me and treat me accordingly. And of course, that sends the message back to myself. It confirms the very belief I have about myself. It's the positive cycle that we want to get into. I mentioned last Sunday how, um, because my father died, I had uh, that gap, if you like, of a father's affirmation. And I tend to overreact to issues of respect. I become defensive when I'm criticized, I overreact when I perceive. That I'm treated with disrespect because it's not always a fact it's just my perception and I've developed behaviors like people-pleasing not being able to confront uh, unable to say no workaholism all of those are strategies I realize to try and get people's approval to try and get them to say you are worth something and I have had to come to the place where I come to the feet of my father thankfully for his grace to say Lord thank you That you accept me thank you that you give me value I've had to abandon work on work on work on abandoning those strategies saying Lord help me to know my value in your eyes help me to know my assessment your assessment of me and then to work on my thinking and of course that's an ongoing work and I believe it's a work that God is doing in every single one of us But the challenge is that you will do that work, collaborate with the work that God is doing in you, and that you will work out firstly what you do say to yourself, work out what you believe about yourself, work out where your thinking is distorted, work out the strategies that you've engaged in to wrongfully try to get people's approval and acceptance and value. Abandon those and trust God and to believe what He says about you. Will you do that? Should we stand as we pray? So as we stand in the presence of God, our Father. Just Uh, talk to him in the quietness of your heart about areas where maybe you have not believed what he says about you, where you've taken on board the assessment and the, the value system of the world about yourself. Where you've seen yourself as inadequate or inferior. Not measuring up. Lacked confidence because of not having those criteria that the world uses and father as we stand before you all of us battle with these things and so I pray Lord that firstly you would help us give us the grace to be able to turn away from trying to get our needs met ourselves apart from you Forgive us, Lord, for not just trusting you and what you think of us. Forgive us, Lord, for engaging in behaviors that would, which are designed to try and make ourselves valuable in the eyes of man. And we do want to repent of that. But also, Lord, we want to believe, we want to receive from you. Just in the quietness of your heart, why don't you talk to the Lord of what you want to receive from him today thank you lord that you are so gracious and so faithful thank you that you're the one who satisfies those needs to be worthwhile that you give us value immense value more than anything that the world could give us forgive us for being enticed for such tacky things Lord we want to come to you in, in repentance and drink from you help us to know our immense value in your eyes you were prepared to die for us that's how valuable we are lord we want to drink of that we want to receive of that we want to know that in the depths of our heart may that be our core belief thank you for the gifts that you've given us lord gifts that you've given us so that we can serve others with confidence help us to do that and i pray that you'd help us in our thinking help us to recognize when we are saying things to ourselves that are just not true and lord to replace those with the truth the truth that you tell us in your word. Help us in this process. We pray these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.